0: Of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. It is a Wednesday edition of the show where we are going to preview Bucks' first outfits. We're going to find out if the Bucks can win their first game at home this year in the regular season. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Scott Reynolds was supposed to be joining me, but unfortunately, Scott is a little bit under the weather. So, being a team player. Our guy, live from Atlanta, Josh Capo, is joining me for the show today. Josh, thank you for jumping in on short notice. How you doing, my man? I'm happy to be doing the show with you.
1: Happy to be here, man. It's not game day, so it's weird greeting you. <laughs> well, we've
0: done other podcasts before. We, we
1: have. We have. We just kind of got in. Uh, you know, It's my shtick, so yeah. it's it's a weird being off of it. But yeah, I'm happy to uh to jump into the starting lineup with uh, Scott on the IR or at yeah, least the injured and, list,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, he's he's just on the injury report, and you know we've seen it with the Bucks all season long, where one guy gets hurt, someone else has to step in. Whether it's you know Donovan Smith going down and Brandon Walton becomes a starter after Josh Wells gets hurt, mm-hmm. Russell Gage having a big game when Mike was suspended and Chris was out and Julio was out, so uh, you know. We've seen it firsthand with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're able to, you know, uh, change on the fly, which they will have to again because the big news starting out today was the fact that Cole Beasley, after two weeks of playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, done, just retired. We're going to talk about Beasley. We're going to talk about, you know, the injury report that came out. Um, Also having a conversation with, Harold Goodwin today, instead of Todd Bowles, spoke to Goody, had some uh, important, interesting stuff to, to say. But uh, before we get into that, I do want to remind everyone that Celsius is the presenting sponsor of the Peter Report podcast, seven essential vitamins. It's a healthier energy drink compared to others on the market. Uh, the vibes are always high on the show, the Arctic, tropical, and peach vibes. Josh was just holding up a peach vibe can. Um, I'll ask him to do that again when we get back onto the screen. Uh, So many different flavors, whether it's the sparkling watermelon, the uh, strawberry lemonade, the sparkling uh, grapefruit, so many different flavors. Um, Head over to Amazon.com. Buy it in bulk. Get the variety pack because variety is the spice of life. And you can have it sent to your apartment or house whenever you want, every couple of weeks, once a month, whatever it is. And, of course, check out the store locator. Go to your local bodega and pick up a Celsius today. Uh, that's Celsius.com and hashtag Celsius live fit. Josh, please show us the peach vibe can. Awesome. Yeah. That's how yeah. you get through a work day.
1: Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I had but- a uh, long, long uh, meeting in my other life. Uh, it's about five, six hours. This got me through it. And uh, And Matt, you know, I usually have peach vibe. And for me, this is the passing on first downs of Celsius. <laughs> you should do it more. You should do peach vibe more. The other flavors are great, but save them for second and third down after you've gotten eight, nine yards or a whole new first down. This is your let's do this on first down. Peach vibe is the best.
0: I like it. It's definitely up there for me. I'd probably go with Arctic vibe, but you can't go wrong as long as you're having a Celsius energy drink. Absolutely. want to say thank you to everyone in the chat and uh, watching us now or maybe listening to us on audio at a later time. So I guess I'm speaking to people in the future. That's pretty cool. Uh, But John right here says, Colt Beasley retired. Shaking my head. Bring on Odell Beckham Jr. So, yeah, I just mentioned it briefly. But it was crazy because we had just gotten done with the practice portion. For those that don't know, the media gets to um, go out. And for the first half an hour, watch practice. It's mainly just stretching calisthenics a little bit of special teams you're not seeing the x's and o's and the game plan for you know what they're going to go for and really the main purpose of being there for that early session of practice is finding out who's practicing who's not you know everyone on the injury report so i wasn't even really thinking about cole beasley because he played nine snaps didn't seem to be injured or anything and then probably about half an hour later i see a retweet from ian rapaport is from tom pellicero's account that um Cole Beasley has decided to retire and his agents, you know, let the media know very surprising came out of nowhere. He obviously just signed with the team two weeks ago to the practice squad got elevated for both games, Uh, made three catches in that first game against green Bay, including a catch on fourth down early in the game, which, you know, if you're going to make an impact after only being there for three practices, not bad last week. He had one reception. So he finished his bucks career with four receptions for, I believe 17 yards. But Josh, just give me your thoughts about a, just a very odd situation.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if the return to health of some of the, the bigger uh, weapons that the bucks had planned to use this season didn't affect Beasley's decision. Right. So he was not – the Bucks didn't approach him before the season. They didn't attempt to sign him. He was an emergency stopgap hired to the practice squad two weeks ago when literally every one of the top four receivers was dealing with an injury or suspension that kept you know, three-fourths of them out. And I, I wonder – I know Cole Beasley, and I, I, I want to make sure I'm really careful about saying this. I don't think there's anything wrong with what I'm about to say, but he is a very prideful person from what I've seen uh, um, in his public comments. Right. Um, yeah. When he when, stands
0: for what he belie- what he and I'm speaking about just him, what he believes in, he full throttle believes. Yep. in that. And,
1: and one of those things was because I know some fans went after him on, on social media following uh, last season when, when he didn't stay with the Bills. Uh, that they were trying to say he was cooked and and his response was very vocal and very uh, he didn't mince any words I'm, I'm the arguably the best slot receiver in the game still right so given that that we know that that's what he thinks of, of himself and I, I wouldn't necessarily argue with him on it um, because he was still highly effective last year now that Evans is back. Now that Godwin is back, we're not sure about Julio, but Gage is, you know, um, it seems trying to get further away from his hamstring injury. Cole Beasley's role wasn't going to get any bigger unless there were more injuries. Yeah. And, and for somebody who holds himself to that standard and thinks of himself in that way, there, there's certainly a, um, a a bit of pride that's hurt if you're all of a sudden wide receiver five, wide receiver six, not getting on the field. And he may have had a change of heart in terms of, you know what, I thought maybe these injuries were going to last longer. I was going to be able to be a bigger part of this offense. And you know what, I I don't want to go through all of this to be a guy who just stands on the sidelines. And I don't necessarily fault him for that. And, uh, you know, as far as his public comments, I absolutely don't fault him for wanting to spend more time with his, his family and his kids as somebody who travels a lot I want to spend more time with my family and my kids. (laughs) So I totally get it. Yeah, that's a really good take.
0: I didn't actually think too much about the fact that long term, he'd probably not be involved in the offense so much. I guess I'm just I have a little tunnel vision in terms of like, I just don't think Julio Jones will ever be healthy for like the whole season. And it's going to be. The whole on again, off again, or the Michael Scott snip, snap, snip, snap—like he's practicing. <laughs> he's not practicing. He's practicing. He's not practicing. Uh, we'll we'll get to the injury report report in, in just a moment. But you know, a couple people in the chat, of course, are now saying, "Well, this this opens up room to sign Odell Beckham Jr." Uh, Odell is the hot name in the free agency streets. It seems like every week he's you know. Every week, Odell's at a new stadium for a game where it's almost like he's getting recruited like Arch Manning, who, you know, went decided to go to Texas. But like, you know, last college football season, you see, oh, Arch Manning is at Georgia. Oh, Arch Manning is at Alabama. Oh, my God. Arch Manning's at Texas. Now it's like, oh, Odell Beckham was in New Orleans for the Bucs Saints game. Oh, wow. Odell was just at, uh you know, in East Rutherford at the Meadowlands for the Giants game. Is he going to go there? I think Odell might go to the Packers. Here's what I'll say about Odell Beckham, and then I'd like to get your thoughts on it, too. Sure. Healthy, yeah, that would be a great addition, but you just talked about the pride factor with Cole Beasley. Odell coming in, and I know what I just said about Julio Jones, but Odell, again, is coming into a situation where, at best, he's third-string wide receiver and could probably be the fourth, and... In the, the eyes of the Bucks coaching staff, could be the fifth if they really value, like, Russell Gage over Odell. I wouldn't. I would pick Odell. But I'm just saying, like, we don't necessarily know that. And two, the most more important aspect of this is that Odell Beckham is not healthy. And he's not going to be healthy until, like, earliest middle of November, but probably more likely December. And we've talked a ton, Josh, about how as talented as this offense is, you have the offensive line that is still gelling together. You have Brady still trying to get on the same page with Russell Gage and Julio, even though the offense did explode for thirty-one points last game. So now you're just going back to square one if, if Odell comes back into the, into this situation, and I don't know if that exactly is going to work, especially when you have other teams that are going to be suiting after him as well. It's not just Odell take it or leave it take it or leave it with the Bucks, like. Other teams can go out and get them too.
1: Yeah. Um, So a couple of things based on what you said. So I think it's important. Like why is the OBJ conversation kind of popping up? Um, So our JC Allen does an amazing job of finding information. Right. And so one of the things that he found that I think is kind of stemming this is a tweet from Elena Getzenberg um, who reports on the bills. And she said she was speaking with Von Miller and he had said that, you know, he keeps in touch with OBJ and as she put it, quote, is going on a tour now. He's going to the Giants practice facility and the Saints, Tampa, and all that stuff, which you should, right? So that's kind of, I, I think that maybe why the OBJ conversation in concert with Beasley being um, uh, uh, Cole Beasley's retirement, why, why we're back to this, which was such a big part of the offseason. As far as the pride thing that we discussed, uh, for, from my perspective, I think OBJ kind of, um, he showed me something last year when he went and signed with the Rams because they were very transparent with him in terms of here's your role, right? And your role is not going to be our number one and your role is not going to be our number two at the time that he signed. That's obviously Cooper cup and, and Robert Woods was healthy at the time. And he agreed to take a, um, reduced role. Um, in that offense. So I think that that kind of shows you who OBJ is in terms of his willingness to do something like that. If he believes in the team that he's signing with and the end result. And obviously the Rams were a super team last year and he was going there to try and win a ring. And if he wants to do that and lots of reports that he's always wanted to work with Brady and this may be his last opportunity. Yeah, I could see OBJ signing with the bucks for reasons beyond trying to get the bag for this year or um, trying to maximize what his role would be once he's healthy. I think the more salient point that you absolutely um, said there is the, you know, he's currently injured. And I I don't know what his timetable is. I know you mentioned November, December, that sounds about right for the injury that he had. Um, That puts him nine, 10 months off of a torn ACL. So yeah, but you're trying to solve a, wide receiver health problem with an unhealthy wide receiver it doesn't sound like the best way to solve that problem
0: (laughs) yeah and i'm also just making a guesstimate about when he's going to, to return you know people will google well like the average torn acl takes this amount of time nothing's average about any acl i'm sorry where did you get your medical degree from? You know, like don't they always say like, if you have a symptom of something, don't go on WebMD and look at it. Cause it's just going to make you feel like 10 times worse. And you're going to think that you have right. whatever illness or sickness that you have. So I'm not just going to be like, well, Google says that this torn meniscus should have him back in two weeks. Right. No, you know, I, I'm not going to, every person is a, um, is a case by case basis. Um, Let's get into the one last thing about Cole Beasley real quick that I thought was like kind of funny. So obviously a couple of coaches and players were asked about it today. How Goodwin was asked about it and he was just like, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of like just finding out about this. Uh, that's between like Todd and, and Jason light and Cole Beasley. But you know, he was a good guy when he was here and he worked hard um, and Chris Godwin was asked the same thing. And he was like, Honestly, I thought it was a joke. Like, this is this is news to me. But then he said the same thing, like, good dude when he got to meet him. Um, and doesn't fault him at all for, you know, wanting to be with his family uh, or anything like that. But like I said, let's get into the injury report a little bit. Of course, this man, Tom Brady, happened to be on it. He was, uh, he did not participate. Obviously, he's dealing with that right shoulder injury and that right finger. Now he did throw a couple of passes, but he wasn't in uniform or anything. He was just in a t-shirt and rocking the backwards hat. So, and he, aren't he,
1: Wednesdays his normal day off? This season they, th-
0: yeah, they are. But last week he practiced every single day. And this week he did not practice today. Uh, but Julio was out there stretching a little bit. We'll get to Julio in a moment. Uh, Cambrai did not participate either. He obviously is still dealing with concussion Carlton Davis was a full participant with a shoulder. Russell Gage has a hamstring injury, but he was limited. Chris Godwin was limited with a knee injury. Akeem Hicks did not participate. He's dealing with that foot injury. Julio Jones was a limited participant with a knee injury. Um, But he was, again, he was another player that was supposed to have uh, Wednesdays off, and they're not sticking to that script for whatever reason. So, um, yeah, still got that with Julio. Rashad Perriman, he's dealing with the knee and a hamstring. He was limited today, so that's a good sign. He obviously did not play on Sunday. Logan Ryan was out with a foot injury, and Donovan Smith was limited uh, with an elbow injury. For the Falcons, much, much smaller. Kyle Pitts did not participate. He's dealing with a hamstring injury, and former Bucks punter Bradley Pinion, Uh, was out because of personal reasons and also personal reasons Todd Bowles was not there today they just said uh, he will be back tomorrow on Thursday Um, but he wasn't here today due to personal reasons but he'll he'll be back tomorrow so on a personal
1: note that's got to be fun for you Matt because Goody's always great for For quotes and stuff, right? He's just a really fun guy to talk to. Yeah, he had uh, some good stuff
0: to say today about um, the offensive line. And obviously there's been struggles in and out uh, with them. Um, I wish I could have cut up the video quick enough to get it on this podcast. But I I opted for the Chris Godwin route because, you know, people love Chris Godwin. Uh, So we'll play that Godwin video in a little bit. But yeah, he, he had a lot of very interesting stuff to say about the running game. You know, he he talked about the fact that they, they clearly need to be better. And, you know, it, obviously, last game, the score dictated a lot of stuff. But even when they did run it, they did not run it well. Um, he did point out that he thought at times they did run it pretty good against Green Bay last week. So it's not all just negative stuff. Uh, but the, I think the, the most important thing that he had to say was it was almost good that they started out the year playing against such top level competition, you know, with Cowboys whose defense looks incredible week by week. And the saints obviously have given them issues. And we talked a lot about the Packers and obviously last game, but he said, you know, Luke Gettigy, he's had no weeks off every single week. He's dealing with like a top tier defensive tackle in this league. And he said for him and Robert Hainsey, there's no excuses. Like it, being young just isn't an excuse anymore. Like you have to go in there and do your job, you know, to the to the highest degree. So he was a little harsh on them, but you know, respectfully so. And I had asked I had asked Goody about Donovan Smith, and he said that he looked okay in his return, a couple of mistakes here and there. But then he what he really I thought it was cool was he answered, you know, he gave a grade of the offensive line throughout the, you know, the first month. And he said that. Tristan Wirfs, and he didn't he didn't give, like, letter grades. But he said Tristan Wirfs and Shaq Mason have been excellent so far. Um, he said Donovan's been good when he was in, but obviously you can't really give him too much of a grade when he's been out for so long. And he said, I don't specifically remember what he said against Hainsey and Getticke, but he wasn't, like, rude towards them, but he was like, yeah, there's room for improvement and stuff like that. But I think that's to be expected with two young offensive linemen.
1: Yeah. And for the most part, I would agree with Goody just as an objective, you know, observer, Um, Tristan Wirfs elite on another plane from everybody else in the conversation for best tackle in the game right now. Right. And which is an interesting conversation to have because some of the guys who have been there for the last few years are dinged up or not playing and you have some ascension with some really young guys um like andrew thomas from the, the giants and whatnot and, and Werfs holds up against any and all of those guys i think he probably gets a little bit discounted because he plays on the right side versus some of these other guys who play on the left um shack mason I, I definitely think there's a big um level difference between Werfs's play and shack mason's but mason has been very good right he may not have that signature pancake block that you, right. you've seen in, in new england in years past but he has held his own and Brady hasn't had to worry about that right side of the line for the most part over the, the first four games. Uh, just kind of moving right to left. So Hainsy, in my opinion, has been solid. You know, I would say like a league average center. It's just been there's, there's high variance with him. You see some fantastic reps. You do see some losses. And when you, you know, average it out in the wash, he's been, you know, pretty average, which, you know, that's... That's great if that's your backup center. If your backup center is playing league average, you're in a good spot in terms of your backup center, right? Um, get a key. Oh, buddy. Um. <laughs> I had someone today being
0: like, Get a key? It was key. He's been pretty good out there. I was like, No, he hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be nice about it.
1: So, you know, it's so funny because I was, uh, I, I, I've been trying to uh, get through the chiefs tape and I I got through the offense late last night and and I was texting a couple people as, as I was going through the game. And I really regret texting about get a key before I got to the end because I was about halfway through their fifth drive. And I was like, he's having himself a solid game. Like it's very obvious that the bucks are trying to protect him. Right. I'd say 80% of the time Hainsey shading over to him to give him that double team. I just, I saw a few, few play actions where lenny just came up and he was responsible for chipping whoever the heck get was on you know it's like and that's not something you often see from like a running back that they're chipping an interior defensive lineman um but you know he was holding his own own i literally i texted it paul atwell right i texted him I'm like he's, he's having a pretty solid game like yeah. and then the next two reps he loses boom so chris jones just one right after the other and the rest of the game, the other five and a half drives, is just it was bad. It was really bad. And then Donovan, <laughs> Donovan's on his way to having kind of his first year where you can't say he's ascended, um, but I don't really hold that against him because he's dealing with an injury. He had one game where you know he was there the whole game and he looked good against. No, he was out uh, he was like, at a
0: halftime yeah. pretty much so, of the cowboys game he,
1: he looked good before he got hurt and then since he's come back from being hurt he had a tough game against the chiefs so um yeah so i mean that's kind of the line right so brady's good on his on his uh strong side and it's his weak side where he's got to worry and the bucks are gonna have to get better and luke Gedeke is gonna have to get better uh, especially when you consider that brandon walton has some some versatility to work inside or outside and he looked good in the time that he yeah. was out there. So, uh, for me, and I understand the bucks gave up a lot. They traded up to get get a key in the back half of the second round. But if you're going all in on this year, you want the best five guys out there right now. And I'm starting to think, you know, maybe Brandon Walton's the guy at left guard, at least for right now.
0: And that's something that Scott has talked about that there might need to be a change because obviously this team is good enough to, be in contention for the Super Bowl, you're not gonna let one little thing stop you because of it. And even though this is like a, a weird situation where you have to balance like his growth and seeing if he can reach that potential, because the potential of Gedekeep I think is a lot more than Walton, but but in the in the immediate present right now, it might be better to you know to go with Walton in, in that situation. Want to give a quick shout-out to Leo, always giving us super chats. Thank you so much, Leo. Uh, he gave us a $5 super chat and said, Media making a big deal about Brady not practicing despite the Bucks making it known. Brady takes some Wednesdays off. I don't really think we're making a big deal about it. I think we're just, you know, noticing, oh, he's practicing today. He's not practicing today. Because like I said before, he wasn't supposed to practice on Wednesdays, but then he practiced every single day last week. This week, obviously, it's a little bit different, especially when he's dealing with that shoulder injury. I think we just pointed it out. I don't think we really made a big deal about it one way or another. But I do appreciate the the, the super chat, Leo. So,
1: Yeah, we you love Barry. Leo. But yeah. Leo, I would say just keep in mind we may have very new viewers who don't know the Bucks, right? So we want to make sure we're making them aware.
0: Yeah, and um, another thing that we really want to make people aware of, I was going to go with the transition talking about the fact that uh, you know, we've been talking about offensive linemen, and one of my favorite things, especially with like playoff hockey, is when they bring in like the offensive linemen of the local football team, and they start like chugging beers. Like the Lightning will do it. Obviously, they'll they'll get like you know Ryan Jensen, and they're just downing these beers in like a half a second. We encourage you to drink responsibly, but if you were going to you know do what the linemen do, the best beer that you would want to drink, of course is Pirate Republic, which is the official beer of pewterreport.com. They are brewed out of Nassau, Bahamas, and they are making their way to Florida just in time for football season. And like I said, they are the official beer of pewterreport.com because it's a natural fit. Beer brings people together to celebrate life. That means celebrating life in the spirit of the original Pirate Code, a sense of belonging. Uh, Pirate Republic is a community of people living life on their terms. The Long John Pilsner is perfect for tailgating or having fun at the beach in the Florida sun. Personally, it's my favorite. The Tigno Quarter is the best IPA you'll drink. Or you can drop an orange slice in the golden haze of piracy Belgian wit beer and enjoy that pirate life. Pirate Republic beer is available at participating retailers like Total Wine and more. Lucan's Liquors, Party Liquors, and Select ABC Liquor Stores in the greater Tampa Bay area and is expanding across the state of Florida. Live life on your terms and drink like a pirate with Pirate Republic beer. Let's stick with the offense for a little bit, Josh. Um, we should talk about the Falcons. That's who the Bucs are playing against this week. And, you know, when I look at the Falcons, you know, Bucks offense versus Falcons defense, um... You know, the the Falcons, they are in the bottom of a lot of categories uh, on defense. You know, uh, they allowed 386.3 yards per game. That's 25th in the league. 260 passing yards per game. That's also 25th. And 126 rushing yards per game. That's 21st. So we're talking about in all three major categories, you know, bottom of the league. They've allowed over 20 points in each game. They, they also have a 2-2 two two record. But with that said, uh, they're fairly opportunistic, and you know, you living in the Atlanta area, I'm sure you've been able to to watch a lot of it. But Grady Jarrett is a problem, uh, you know, as a pass rusher, and they have seven turnovers on the year and eight sacks. So I think it's a defense that is taking advantage of a couple of opportunities. And granted, they played like the Browns last week; they didn't, you know, necessarily play one of the top level teams in the league, but I think this is a defense outside of Jarrett and the, you know they have some other talented players but this is a team that the bucks should be able to throw on and move the ball down the field against.
1: Yeah, uh, the Falcons have really I, it, kind of consider it like Rams light, right? So okay. when you think about the the LA or yeah, the Los Angeles Rams, there, there's two guys on their defense you really have to make sure you're accounting for. Uh, on every play one's in the interior defensive line it's a guy you may have heard of him his name's aaron donald um and then they have a, a corner who is considered elite in Jalen ramsey right and then the rest of the team's kind of uh, defense is kind of built around those guys not a ton of high level talent but they're schemed up well you look at atlanta and you've got one interior defensive lineman in grady jarrett you mentioned him Jarrett's having an amazing start to this season. He looks better than he has over the last three or four years. And then you have an ascending corner, a guy who I would say over the last 16, 17, no, call it 20, 21 games, um, who has kind of moved up into the conversation for a top 10 corner in the NFL, that's A.J. uh, Terrell. Right? He he was an all pro last season. He was, yeah. And he's off to another great start, right? He's kind of eliminating just one part of an offense every week. And so far, the offenses that they've faced have kind of just gone away from him, uh, tried okay. to limit Jarrett, which is they haven't done a very good job. And that pressure and the fact that your top options typically being eliminated by Terrell has given opportunities for the rest of the team to make for some of those turnovers. Um, so I think that the Bucks offense has to account for that, right? You account for Terrell, you account for Jarrett, which is going to be difficult because Jarrett's going to line up in the three. And, and if this Falcons are smart, and I think they're going to do it, they're going to line him up over Gedeke and they're going to force Hansey to push that way. And they're going to try and win that matchup and there's opportunity for them to do that. And then that gets the interior pressure on Brady. So Bucks are going to have to find a way to, to neutralize Jarrett. If they can do that, the rest of the pass rushes, not fantastic. I think Arnold Ebikidi has had a solid start to the year. He's got nine pressures on 90 pass rush snaps, so it's about a 10% pressure rate, which is solid, especially considering he's a rookie. So they're building something there, but the rest of the team is very vulnerable, and the Bucs need to take advantage of that.
0: Right, and I, I think we kind of said the same thing last week. Now, this is different because I'm talking about the Bucks defense and the Chiefs' offense, but we said, all right, you take out Kelsey, and you limit, you know, Edwards and Lair. you should be good. Well, Kelsey went out and had 9 receptions for 92 yards and they didn't take away yep. the most viable option. Now, different side of the ball, of course, but yeah, for the for the Bucks offense, especially you know they're going to run it more than 6 times, you know, this week. And I just I just get really worried that they're cuz I you know, one way to neutralize a just a, a great pass rusher in general is that play action get them moving Um, and and looking at a couple of different things. So I would love to see a lot of, you know, play action in this game. And even if Terrell takes away one side of the field, which, you know, at the end of the day, I would still take Mike Evans up against, you know, essentially any corner in the league. We've seen what Mike Evans has done to Jalen Ramsey. So, like, I trust Mike Evans in any situation. I trust Chris Godwin to, you know, if, if they have to win by just throwing it to Chris Godwin in the slot the whole game, I have no issues with doing that. But I am worried about the fact that there has been struggles with Gedecky. And, you know, the Bucks got lucky in the sense that Kansas City didn't, other than, you know, the big strip sack on Brady, there wasn't like a ton of pressure that they had to deal with. And I was really surprised. What do you think? It sounds uh, like you disagree.
1: <laughs> so I, I, one of the things I was going to point out is anytime the Bucks went play action uh, from under center, Brady had all day to throw. Like that really did help get a key in the rest of the line.
0: That's what I, that's what I'm looking at. That's what I want to see for Atlanta.
1: Um, When it was straight passing, you know, out of shotgun or, um, uh, or under center without a play action element, the pressure got to Brady. It was a little slow, um, but it got there. And I think the biggest thing that it did was it prevented him from being able to step up into Mm. throws Um, or climb the p- pocket. Um, now, the good news is with Werfs kind of eliminating the, the, the outside edge, and for the most part, Donovan Smith, on, uh, when, when past edge rushers tried to get around him, he was able to push him up the arc. It wasn't that big of a deal. Um, but Smith lost inside and, uh, a, a few times, and Gettke lost inside, and it prevented Brady from really stepping into his throws. And so that's the thing that, that I would worry about there. But again, under the when they went play action from under center, he had all day. He had absolutely all day, and that's where almost all of their big plays came from. Yeah. Was from um, from from some play action shots.
0: Good question here from Harvinder. Uh, he says, "Do you think Leftwich has been at fault for the running issues, with play calling, or is it the line not doing what it's supposed to do?" Josh,
1: the floor is yours. Say a little bit of both. Um, There was a lot of creativity in terms of how they ran in Dallas. You didn't see it nearly as much against new Orleans. You didn't see it nearly as much in green Bay. And I'm throwing out any type of um, analysis on the running game against the chiefs. They only ran the ball six times. Um, So you can't really take a a lot from the sample size like that. Um, So there's been a lack of creativity since week one, I would say. And then there have been just, and it's ne- it's never, like, one particular guy. It's, like, a comedy of just things here, there, everywhere, right? So this rep, Hainsey loses the backside, and Fournette decides that he doesn't want to hit the hole with authority and starts to uh, define, try to find a new hole behind the line other than the one that it was designed for, so then the backside defender gets him. Or then on the next one, Kate Otten tries a reach block and uh, doesn't get to uh, George Karloftis in time. And Karloftis uh, hunts the play down behind the line of scrimmage Mm on the, it's just, it's, I couldn't, I could not tell you it's one particular guy. It's just, they can't get all the pieces together on every, on, on a single play, let alone on enough plays to get things going. Um, uh, But there was, I, I saw on Twitter, you know, Leonard Fournette, uh, they they had a chart of all the running backs in terms of rushing yards over expected, and Fournette's like all by himself at like negative <laughs> 1.3 per carry, which is is uh, unfortunate. And, you know, he's – he's, you you see there are some where his line fails him, and he just trucks through a few guys and turns negative one into two, and you're happy for it. And then there's others where, like I said, he gets undecisive behind the line and he turns what would have been a three-yard carry into no game. So it's just it's it's frustrating because you just can't get everything all together at once.
0: Right. It it does feel like for all the good Leonard Fournette does, there is still always a couple of moments where you're shaking your head, like, come on, like it's right there, it's right there. I will say I do love whenever Uh, Leonard Fournette loves no one loves doing anything more than Leonard Fournette loves trucking over a defensive back (laughs) it's like you know it's coming when Leonard gets into that second or sometimes third level or you know there's times where uh, a a defensive back will be up at the line of scrimmage and he absolutely just steamrolls some of these defenders so hopefully he can do a lot of that against the Falcons this week I did want to talk about Chris Godwin as well. I saw some people in the chat saying Mike and Chris are both going to score. It's going to be a big day for both of them. And, you know, we spoke to Chris Godwin today at the, uh, you know, at, at the bucks facility in the locker room. And I think Josh, you know, with all the different injuries and who's available and who's practicing and you're going to Miami to practice. And now you're back in Tampa. I think it's a little easy to forget. And because he's been so good that Godwin is coming back from injury for the second time this season. And I can only imagine like the, the hurdles that he had to go through just to get ready for week one against Dallas. And then to unfortunately get injured in that game. And you know, had a hamstring injury that kept him out the last couple of weeks to return already, you know, there's a lot of trials and tribulations, but there's also that we talked about new players coming in and Godwin's obviously not new, but when he's coming back from what he is coming back from, you know, that also takes a lot of time. So I really thought it was interesting what Chris Godwin had to say today from the Bucks facility. I'm about to play that in a minute. He, he talked a lot about just how he's feeling right now in the offense. Um, if he feels like he's up to speed yet with where he was, you know, before he got injured. And then remember. He got hurt late in that game, too. Uh, At the goal goal line, he was blocking, and he was writhing in pain. Like, he looked like he was in really bad shape. So he talks about that and a little bit about the offense finally getting rolling with 31 points and if that's something they can kind of build upon for the next coming weeks. So here's uh, some video clips of Chris Godwin from his press conference today how are you
2: feeling though are you starting to kind of feel yourself you know i don't know that sometimes you guys know, go surface like this it takes yeah. time to just kind of feel your, your um i think i'm getting there you know i think that there's like you say it takes a little bit of time you know when you first come back from the major injury so just kind of get your foot in um but I think, like as oh the God, weeks God. kind of go, as I sack some games, I believe my that it'll get closer and closer to being back. But and I'm just fortunate to be able to get you know a full game. And uh, obviously, it wasn't the outcome that we were looking for, but mm-hmm. it's a long year. You know, we got a lot. Of, we got a lot of work ahead. Are we you feeling better since hip, Sunday? Uh, against Kansas City, like, together, right? Oh no, it was just like, like my back just like man weird. You know, uh, Sometimes uh, like people like move a little bit, slip, uh, but it was fun. Like by the time I got to the time uh, so it wasn't like locking up or anything. No, no, no. It was, it was literally just like. You know, got a tight like my back and then got to the style was fun.
1: style of, of, of the way
2: you play, because you are having to make a lot of really tough, rainy catches on mm-hmm. the side. I mean, to be honest, I don't really know any, like, any other way to play. Um, you know, we I, I joke about it a lot, but it's, that's all I know. You know, is to go be physical and just give it my all. Um, like, there's no in me. And and I'm going to keep doing that until you know until it's my time to hang them up. You know what I'm saying? When that is, we'll never know. But... You know, I, I, I'm grateful to be back on the field. Uh, I think my absence from the game is has given me a brand new perspective of how much I appreciate it and and just how much I, I love the day-to-day process of being in locker room with the guys and joking around and being able to work towards something each week, and then getting to go out there and put the product on the field. Like when lose the draw, is, you know, I'm grateful for the opportunity, and, and I'm going to continue to do that and continue to be grateful and just go out doing what I love. Can you go to 40. Can you go to 45.
0: Or, you know, really getting things moving for you guys
2: offensively, getting back to the score of 30 points a game like you did last year. Um, I, I think it very well could be. Um, you know, I think it's tough whenever you're trying to put together, you know, your your offensive game plan whenever you don't have everybody out there. Um, and then you add on top of that, that we have a bunch of new faces. We've got new receivers, new offensive linemen. So um, it's, you know, it's just tough. Um, but like I said, it's a long season and I think it, it can be very easy for people to overreact early in the year. Um, but I think the biggest thing for us is just the team to work to build throughout the season, um, which is like, that's what we've done over the last couple of years. You know, it hasn't always been sunshine and rainbows early in the year. We just kind of slowly get better and better and better. And, you know, you
0: can't just build chemistry in one in one day or one game.
1: You learned
0: that in 20- to bet on Chris Godwin to score a touchdown this week or maybe bet the over for the Bucks since they scored 31 last week, you can do that at mybookie.ag. You know football and you pick winners all the time, so why not get paid for them at mybookie? Bet single game spreads, money lines, or parlay multiple together to increase your payouts. Low contest entry fees at over half a million to be won at mybookie, and uh, make it so you don't have to be a pro gambler to have fun. Getting started is easy. Just visit mybookie.ag and use the promo code Pewter on your first deposit to secure a double deposit bonus. That's promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, and get your first deposit matched dollar for dollar, all the way up to a thousand bucks. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you can understand that my bookie is a proven sports book that makes it simple to bet and win. So make this your winning season exclusively at my bookie. Thought a lot of great stuff from Chris Godwin there, especially when he was talking about the fact that when he was out, it, it really it built his appreciation for just being able to play this game. Um, he said grateful a lot. He's truly grateful to keep playing, and I like what he said too about. He doesn't know how to play any differently because he was asked about it. He's concerned <laughs> about that. He's such a physical player. He's like, this is all I know how to do. So I'm going to keep doing it. So, yep. Did
1: or, somebody, somebody really ask him if he was going to try to play at a 45 like Brady? I thought I it, heard that at the end. Yeah, of so Clips. that was
0: at the end because he was like, I'm, I'm just going to keep playing until, you know, until I we will see for how long I play, whatever. And he said, I'm just going to keep going. The question was asked like in a – comedic type of way it wasn't a, it wasn't like a serious so. type of thing <laughs> yeah because godwin was like ah oh, you might have to like drag me off the field at that point so it, you know it was in chest it was it was just of trying to be funny type i way.
1: hope he can be effective to 45 that would be phenomenal it's you think brady's doing something amazing to do it at a wide receiver position would be incredible so sorry yeah but i digress. That wasn't
0: even that wasn't i see some people in the chat saying like that you know Jenna asked this or Jenna asked that. First of all, Jenna's great and she didn't ask the question about playing till
1: 45 years old. So No, no, that was definitely a male voice. Yeah,
0: no, I know who it was. It was uh he works he yeah, he's a good guy. I'm not going to dox him, but yeah. be nice to Jenna. She's awesome. She really Leave is. her alone. Nope. Um let's talk a little bit about the defense though cuz we spent a lot of time on the offense and the huge issue last week which could become a big issue this week Is stopping the run. Obviously, that's all the Atlanta Falcons do. Um, you know, they're fourth in the league in rushing, if I'm not mistaken. And they, that's all they did against the Browns. I mean, they had, they had a drive where they ran the ball 10 plays in a row. And you got to respect the, hey, we're going to run it until you stop it type of mentality. So, um, the one thing that Tampa has going for them is that Cordero Patterson will not be available. He just went on the IR. But it's clear and evident that, you know, the Falcons are a run-heavy first team. Um, they don't pass the ball a ton, you know. Uh, Mariota doesn't throw it much. Like, I, I think he threw for 180 yards last week and had an interception. So, it feels like... If they can stop the run, they should win this game. Because if you're forcing Mariota to drop back, you know, 30 plus times, uh, that's where the Bucs defense is going to get some more of those turnovers.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a wide zone offense. Uh, Arthur Smith is their head coach. He uh, formerly the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. And he kind of was the architect for probably their most successful seasons as an offense with, uh, Ryan Tannehill, uh, and obviously Derrick Henry, right? So, mm. um, doing a lot with not much in terms of offensive line talent, um, but scheming them up, scheming up your run game and then using that run game to create big shots, uh, with play action. And, and they've got the, um, uh, they've got the offensive skill players to make that work, even without Corderell Patterson. Now, Full disclosure: I'm a huge Tyler Algier fan. Um, I think he was running back two for me coming out of this draft class, so um, I I have high hopes for his future. Not to say that I want it to manifest on Sunday against the Bucks, um, but I do think that they they can still be very um, uh, successful with him. And who's the backup there? Uh, Caleb Huntley, I think. Yeah, he
0: had he had fifty plus yards and I think a touchdown last week. Yeah, so Huntley yes. was effective.
1: Yep. So they they still have the opportunity to be successful on the ground, um, and of course Mariota is always a threat with his legs. So the Bucks are going to have to account for that, and then from there they like to build the play action shots, and they certainly have a couple of guys who can uh, who can take advantage of that. So first round receiver Drake London, and uh, and last year you know number four I think overall pick. Uh, just uh, I, alien Kyle Pitts. Um, so so they've got the offensive weapons to be able to take advantage of that. The Bucks run defense has got to improve, uh, and I think it, it starts at the nose. I mean, Vita Veya has got to step up. I think he's even admitted that he's not very happy with his level of play to start the season. Um, and the most surprising thing is he's getting moved in the run game. And if the Falcons are able to do that, it's going to be a long day for the Bucks defense.
0: Yeah, it, it really could be. And yeah, they do have talent there. You know, London had, what was it? London has 231 yards on the, on the season, leads the Falcons with, with two receiving touchdowns. Pitts has been a little bit quiet. Um, yep. And what's surprising too, and maybe has something to do with that hamstring injury, you know, he didn't practice today. What's surprising is last game, he got out snapped by the other tight end. So I thought that was a bit odd. Like clearly he's a stud as a receiving tight end. And I don't know how great he is just yet, you know, blocking and, and things like that. So it seems like he could be the next like Jimmy Graham iteration of, you know, just being a really good receiver, but that's not to say that they, they don't have talent. Um, and I think, especially you mentioned like Mariota with the legs and he can run the ball too. I think it's really important. We've seen it the past couple of weeks and, Sure, you can make the argument, oh, yeah, you know, it's Rodgers and Mahomes, like too talented, know how to scramble, know how to get the ball uh, you know, out of their hands as soon as possible. But there was multiple times the last two weeks where the Bucks had these QBs locked up and they somehow got out of it and were able to, if it was Mahomes, complete it for a first down or for a touchdown. For Rodgers, similar thing, got the ball out first down how did this guy do that? I mean nothing was more egregious. I just put up the play before when Carlton Davis, you know, had was, him was right there had him, de- had him dead to rights. Made yep. absolutely no sense. Let me find that picture again. Had him absolutely dead to right, and you know, you you thought it was going to be done. And Shaq Barrett right there as well couldn't make the play. And then of course, Devin White missing on the juke uh, of Mahomes and Pat O'Connor missed him as well. I'm worried with someone like Mariota, who's very quick, clearly not as accurate with the football and probably a little more inclined to, to make a silly play with it. But, you know, if you're having issues with, you know, a 42-year-old Rodgers, Mariota, as soon as he sees that lane, they're going to go right after it. So uh, I'm a little worried that the Bucks, who have already struggled stopping the run, especially last game, Now, if they focus on stopping the run, they might get out of their lanes in the passing game, and that's just going to open things up for Mariota. Or even if they close in on Mariota, the Bucs do great at at performing 95% of the job. It's the last 5% that gets the full completion that they have. You know, they've gotten to the quarterbacks. I don't really want to knock them. But, you know, for all the sacks they've had, they could have about, like, five or six more
1: on the season. Yeah, I think it comes down to each part of the Bucs' defense focusing in on what they need to improve the, the struggle with the run game so far this season, isn't a function of the secondary, not doing their job. As a matter of fact, safety, Mike Edwards, Edwards, he's had some, some missed tackles, but for the most part, he's, he's been pretty solid in run defense. Um, The Bucks' defensive line has got to handle their, their gap assignments and things like that better. And they've got to help shut down the, the run. Um, the Buck secondary needs to focus on shutting down the, the passing lanes. Uh, I think it, a lot of it just comes down to one guy on defense who does have to do a little bit of both and started off the season hot in the last two games has uh, really struggled, and it's unfortunate. But that's Devin White. So he's, he's been manipulated in the passing game. He's overrun some uh, tackles. He's uh, missing his gaps. And uh, he's got to get back to week one, week two, Devin White, and a lot less of week three and four. And he's the one guy I would say really has to balance the two. He's got to help in the run game. He's also got to help in the, the coverage. And, but other than that, the, the defensive line, the outside linebackers, they've got to do a better job. Joe Tryon Shoyinka is being targeted in the run game. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, Vita up front is not doing what he needs to do. And Logan Hall is getting moved. Those guys have got to step up and set the tone against the run and the secondary just needs to keep doing what they've done for the majority of the season to begin with. And they should be okay against the, the Falcons offense. With that said, you know, I think the Falcons offense presents some unique challenges to this Bucks defense and they are going to have some success and it's going to make it very important that the offense gets off to a hot start and sets the tone for the game and just kind of, Walks away from from the Falcons to where if they have a little bit of offensive success, the Bucs don't have to worry about it. So that's my opinion on that.
0: I agree with you. With overall the Bucks secondary, I I've really enjoyed it. Like sure, they're going to get beat on some plays, and you know, last game was just terrible for everyone in general.
1: So. Except Sean Murphy bunting.
0: Yeah, that's true. And he he
1: taught- did well in his very limited snap count. Got yeah. that.
0: Pick. He did. He did. So maybe we'll see if that earned him some playing time. I know Bucks fans will
1: roll their eyes and and (laughs) shake
0: their fists and kick the ground, uh, you know, right. That one, but you never know. Besides that. Yeah. I mean, I think Carlton Davis is again is showing why he's a top corner in this league and Winfield jr. What haven't we said about how great he can be? And yeah, Mike Edwards still a little bit of an issue with missing some tackles here Mm -hmm. and there, but he makes the big plays. He gets the turnovers. He did have one nice tackle in uh, the running game. I believe it was against the Packers. So he's showing a little bit more of a capability that we wanted to see out of him. So I'm very excited for, you know, what Mike Edwards can do this season. Going into it, he was the d- the guy on the defensive side of the ball that I was most excited to watch. And um I don't know. I mean, it depends on where you set your level of expectations. But I think he's been pleasant in terms of just what everyone's wanted to see out of him. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say he's been earth shattering, but I don't think he's been disappointing, you know, by by any means. And, um, you know, one thing that will never disappoint you is age rejuvenation. Make sure you go check out age rejuvenation ASAP.
2: As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women.
0: I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. And I was groggy.
1: I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt.
2: I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time.
1: Bioidentical
2: hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping
0: now. i my got all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with Age Rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait.
1: Call Age Rejuvenation today.
0: Look better, feel better, and have better sex by using Age Rejuvenation. You see John Gilmore on the screen there, uh, who's part of the Peter Tailgate Show. Um, He's not just a spokesperson. Neither is SR Scott Reynolds. They're not spokesmen of this product. They're clients as well. They use it. They absolutely love it, so... Give them a call today and see how age rejuvenation can help out you. Josh, is there anything else that we haven't covered yet? Um, You know, we we talked a lot about the secondary. You talked about Devin White. And, yeah, you know, I'd like to see Devin White play a little bit better. But, you know, I was having this conversation earlier today um, about the PFF grades. Specifically, I was was telling someone how Scott – while he likes the PFF grades and everything like that he disagrees with some of the gradings for example Devin White had a much lower grade in coverage than Levante David even though Levante you know missed missed an interception and and missed a couple of other plays where Devin wasn't that much better but it seemed like the the drop off in the grades was a a little egregious in that standpoint and it seems like just it's tough to win as an inside linebacker on the views of anyone. Like, there's so much more responsibility that goes into it than than most people think. And that's why PFF is great, but it's not the end-all be-all because Devin White gets knocked a lot for certain things where it's like, eh, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was.
1: Yeah. I could go on for hours about this one, so I'll try and keep my no, thoughts
0: please do. Go, go wild. Uh,
1: so my, my thing on PFF is point to a better publicly available system of grading players. And I don't think anybody can do it because nobody's really out there in the space trying to uh, do it like PFF is. They are not perfect. Absolutely not. I absolutely agree with you in terms of inside linebacker. I think it's one of the hardest positions to play in today's NFL because you're a part of the front seven. You're a part of the back seven at the same time. The responsibilities are Um, overwhelming at times in terms of reading keys trying not to bite on play action covering big slots out uh, like Chris Godwin and then being expected to run up into a gap and and take down a guy like AJ Dillon it is an incredibly difficult position to play Um, with that said yes Devin White has struggled the last couple of games after having two fantastic games and if anybody wants to go and check you know my thoughts on Devin White they I'm very willing to admit when he does well and I'm very willing to uh, point out when he doesn't do well and, uh, and the receipts are out there. Um, But until there's a better um, system out there, I think we need to give PFF credit for trying to define football play on, in terms of a grading basis. And they readily admit they're not perfect, but they're constantly trying to update their models. They're constantly trying to put out as good of information as possible so it's really great to take their information and use it within the context of trying to say how is a player done right so they're not perfect absolutely not scott uh had pointed out in in our pewter report text thread you know well here's what levante gave up and here's what devin gave up but levante got a better pass uh coverage grade even though he let up more yards and And I made the counter argument, those grades are based off of every snap. Neither player was targeted on every single snap in coverage. So you have to evaluate the plays where they weren't targeted. And so a guy, uh, Levante may have on the plays that he wasn't targeted, completely covered up his man very well. Devin on the plays where he wasn't targeted may have struggled. And those are going to sway those grades without the casual viewer or even some of us as analysts necessarily um, picking up on it uh, during the game so that's where you can see those differences despite the stats showing this player gave up more this player gave up less so that's kind of my my thoughts in terms of a nutshell um on on both Devin white's play as well as pff in general i tend to be more of a proponent than most on their grades with the caveat being you, you, they don't claim to be perfect on these, but point to a better system. I'll use it, but I haven't found one. No, it's
0: very well said. And a very good point. What I want to know is when are we going to get your punt stats on PFF, (laughs) when is PFF going to start using that?
1: So what's really funny (laughs) is you had asked, is there something we haven't covered? And I was going to say special teams was awful on on sunday right I mean, yeah from literally from the jump rashad white with the fumble come on man you literally put the team in the in the hole and then jake Kamarda, who man i i want to be a big jake camarda fan i've tried to be a big jake camarda fan i i brought puntalytics onto the pewter report podcast to do like an entire 15 minutes on jake kamarta yeah, and my dude. boy keeps letting me down he's I, I mean the first three weeks it's like Every punt was great except one or, or a kickoff out of bounds. Like he just couldn't put an entire game together. And then yeah. Kansas the city, you know, you got a couple of different mistakes and you, you put that on top of the white fumble and you're just, it, it's not good. He's got to put a full game together. Um, and it's why he's got negative EPA per play right now is because he can't. And, and the bucks can't keep waiting for him to do better. You don't want this to be a wasted draft pick, but he's got to put a full game together. You know, when you only get six opportunities to do well in a game, it's kind of a requirement to do well on all six. You don't have yeah the margin for error for kickers and punters is razor thin. They know it going in, and they've got to live up to that expectation. Camarda hasn't done it, and I want him to, because I really want to be a proponent for that man.
0: The only guy that's done well on on special teams for the Bucs has been Ryan Suckup. I know he had that miss in the first week, but, you know,
1: I'm about to trigger some people. He's not the only person on special teams that's done well. Despite everybody wanting Jalen Darden to not I thought, do well. Jaylen I think he's Darden, been fine. He has done a perfectly respectable job as a punt yeah. returner. He's made great decisions. Um, he's made a few good returns. His, um, his average punt return, I haven't looked after this uh, week four, but I'll say going into week four. Uh, Was top 13 in the league. And that's even with him making some smart calls of like grabbing a ball at the 10 yard line. Uh, You know, I mean, he's maybe two yards from, from the sidelines and literally getting a zero yard return on it because he's just grabbing it and going out of bounds because there's no opportunity to get upfield. And he's going to avoid a big hit that could pop the ball out. He's also preventing the ball from going inside the tent. So it's a smart decision, but it goes as a zero yard return. And he's had two or three of those for the year that brings his average down. But Jalen Darden's been a perfectly respectable punt returner. I don't care how many bucks fans say my priors say he's terrible. Don't come at me with this, Josh. I'm coming at you hard with it. Dude's been doing a good job. I,
0: I totally agree with you. I think, People expect him to take every return 40 yards down the field and set up the box at like the 35, you know, with only with a short field to go. That's just not the case. Do I think Darden put it this way? Darden isn't one of those returners where if I was watching it from the viewpoint of another team, I would never be like, oh no, like we got to kick it to right. Darden. He's not there by any means, but he has the occasional solid like 10 to 15 yard return, which is, Really, really helpful. That's getting yep. from the 20 to the 30. That's like a that's a big deal. It's one less first down that the offense has has to get. The other knock on him a little bit is that he like immediately goes towards the sideline. And you know what? That's okay because he's still picking up those extra yards. He's been absolutely fine. He's not yep. on the roller skates. I agree with you. He like really hasn't been an issue for the team. Common sense said uh Darden didn't slip. No, Darden Cole hasn't Beasley. slipped. I'm proud. No, yeah, that's, that's Cole Beasley. Beasley. But now the yeah. Bucks don't have to worry about that because exactly. he's not on the uh, he's not on the team anymore. He retired. Yeah. Uh, we we just it, talked the about team the team
1: took all of their yellow, you know, caution wet uh, slippery when wet, and they just yeah. threw it threw it out when when Beasley left because Darden's doing his job now. They don't have yeah. any more in the building. Exactly.
0: And you, you talk about Kamara. You want him to be better. You know, with some of his punts. You know, you want him to be like right on the money. And if you want to invest your money smartly, you would do it with Amuni Financial.
2: At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now.
1: You Congratulations. You We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank
0: you.
2: And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead.
0: Everyone knows that we got to get out to Colorado. When managing your family's wealth, go to Muni Financial because it's simply more than allocating your assets. Peter you report Trust Muni Financial with our investment and retirement funds, you should trust them too. Call 1-800-868-6864 and talk to David or Mark. They're awesome people over there because they'll tell you about All the different kinds of services that they have. There's legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings. I know Scott's big on that one. He's got one kid in college and a couple more on the way. Uh, College savings accounts and more. Once again, go to and dial 1-800-CALL. 1-800-868-6864. Get started with Immuni Financial today. Today day uh as we wrap up the show here again want to thank everyone for watching listening to this show uh josh always brings great insight uh on everything offense defense special teams and you know uh, josh breaks down a lot of stuff which you can find on our youtube channel uh, in an article uh format you'll see some of that tomorrow uh, make sure you check out all of our box coverage at pewterreport.com, whether it's our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube at pewterreporttv. Uh, give us a, a like and a thumbs up, just make sure you're following because we got a lot of great stuff, and you know, we appreciate everyone watching. Josh, uh, any last words before we get out of here?
1: I think we covered it quite a bit, bud.
0: I think we did, and don't you worry, Josh will be on again. Very, very soon, whether it's uh, the Peter Tailgate show, Peter Game Day show, um, another Peter Report podcast. Josh will be back on very, very soon. And we appreciate all of his um, insight and uh, just everything he brings to PeterReport.com. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow once again at 4 p.m. Myself, not sure exactly who's going to be on with me. So that's going to be a surprise. You know, could be JC, could be Scott. <laughs> We don't know just yet, but it's going to be fun no matter what. So for Josh Capo, I'm Matt Matera saying thank you, everybody, for watching. And we will see you tomorrow for another edition of the Peter Report podcast out.